broadcasting live from the phx.fm studio in phoenix arizona it's time for valley business radio spotlighting the valley's best businesses and the people who lead them hello and welcome to valley business radio where we tell the stories that traditional media tends to ignore and help connect you to the right people I'm your host, Dr. Adrian McIntyre. I'm joined in the studio today by two very interesting folks from our collective entrepreneurial ecosystem, as we've taken to calling it uh, here in the Valley. Daphne Dixon is Vice President and Director with Advance and Emerge Women. Welcome, Daphne. Thank you for having me. I'm glad that you're here. You're also on the social media team with PHX Startup Week, which is the reason we're doing this little mini-series. Yes, I am. So I look forward to hearing more about that. We'll talk about Startup Week. We'll talk about your role. We'll talk about all those things. We're also joined by Brian Stinson, co-founder and culture engineer with the Peak Fleet and a team member with House of Genius here in Phoenix. Welcome, Brian. Thank you. Now, House of Genius is amazing. I had the opportunity to go once. I'm really looking forward to having you share more about this incredibly unique uh, event that happens every month. And I'd also like to learn more about your work with the Peak Fleet. You're into some very interesting things. We're going to have a lot to talk about. Daphne, why don't you get us started here by just giving us an introduction to you and to your work. What is A&E Women? What do you do there? What's it all about? Uh, A&E Women is um, essentially a safe place for women to come and chat. Aaliyah is our founder. Kind of did a trust trial over the summer, and we just kind of provided resources to different women, and we kind of opened it up to a roundtable discussion, and we found that a lot of women had the same issues and problems, and we just kind of all discussed it, and every week it was somebody else, somebody else, and here we are, just over six weeks, and we've built up a team of like 25 women who were just craving and wanting and needing to just hang out together and support one another and cheer one another on. And we found other entrepreneurs as well and connected them with um, other individuals who are looking for a business. But um, yeah, that's, that's A&E Women is just basically, um, I just lost my train of thought. We just kind of lead a focused curriculum for other women and then we just provide support there for them. I think this is really important for, for people to understand because you didn't say this directly, but I know from my own experience and from the hundreds of people we've talked to in this studio, one of the things about starting a business, uh, having a side hustle is sometimes called these days, right? Uh, doing, even being entrepreneurial within an established organization is that we, we are walking a relatively lonely path. There's a lot of content. Yes. Of varying degrees of quality and varying degrees of truthfulness about what it's like. And yet you've created a forum for women to come together to advance, to emerge, and in the process, deal with real things. Personal issues too, not just professional, but personal as well. Um, one of the first books we started with was um, What to Say or What to Say to Yourself and How to Talk to Yourself by um, Shad Homestead or Hamsteader. And um, one of the things you learn is just resetting and retraining your mind to, I can do this. I will do this. This, you know, that changes perspective on everything. There are times when I even find myself, even to this day, I'm like, oh, that was such an idiot move. No, Daphne, that was not an idiot move. Lesson learned. We know not to do that again. You know, it's just changing that mindset. And I think a lot of women do that to themselves without realizing it. For sure. People in general do that to themselves. But I know that there's a unique angle on yes. this for many women. <laughs> uh, and it's often been said that that little voice in our mind is not kind to us. Yes. The the things we say to ourselves about ourselves. Yes. Regardless of our outward level of accomplishment, uh, it's often a, a little bit of a of a tough yes, space inside your it, head. Again, it has to do with being an entrepreneur entrepreneurial and being alone in that solo feeling and sitting there talking to yourself and going, Oh, come on, man. And it should be, you know, let's do this. Let's wake up. Let's get this done. 
You mentioned a curriculum. You mentioned these almost salon-style events of getting together. What does the programming look like when when somebody participates with Advance and Emerge Women? What are they involved in physically in, in IRL, as the kids say, in real life? In real life. That's great. Um, well, we started out with, again, um, just a self-help book. Um, uh, we're looking at... Um, other books as well as self-help. I think one of them is going to be um, Badass Like was one of the books. Uh, Aaliyah's one really puts the curriculum like, together. She's my business partner. And um, we kind of just read chapters and then we open the discussion with just a question or, and you know, two, three hours later, it's like, we've cried, we've laughed, we've all been there on some level, whether it was personally or professionally. And we share those, our wins and our losses. And Hey, you know what? I have an idea around that. Or, Hey, I've been there. This is what I did to prevent that. So it's just kind of doing that. That's the curriculum was just starting that conversation, not necessarily something set in stone. I mean, when you say curriculum, it sounds like something that's educational or right. traditional education. Module one, lesson no, one. No, yeah. it's just having this um, little book kind of guide us through those tribules and tribulations or whatever. Yeah. So Sounds like a very uh, magical and safe and interesting space to explore and discover yourself. Yeah, we keep it pretty casual, you know, right. nothing really set in stone. Um, we are structured, but it's not like in stone again. So we just have really good conversations. Um, we've had mature women there as, um, as uh, age 55 and the youngest was 17 and her mom brought her. Um, and we just all opened up and there was things there that she probably would have never talked to her mom about. Yeah. And we were there to help her, to guide her through it. And it was great. Again, crying and shedding tears. And it was just like, yes, that's great. Authenticity is um, something, it's a word that people like to throw around. It's not a practice that you actually see very often in the world. Brian Stinson, you work in these realms in a different way, in a different context. Tell us a little bit about the peak fleet. What does it mean to be a culture engineer? Uh, and tell us about your work. I will answer that question after I first ask a question of Daphne. The, the support that you provide and the outcomes that you generate, it sounds like it begins with a, a connect, creating a connection, a, a genuine, authentic connection, like you said. Yes, it does. It's just connecting with other women. Again, that's really what we're there for, to make sure we're there supporting them on emotional and physical level. Good. Yes. Thank you. So yeah, what is a culture engineer? What is the peak fleet? Uh, well, I'm a little bit about my story. My, I'm an engineer. Uh, although early on, I thought I was going to be the next Michael Peak Eating. If, if anybody's a, a child of the 80s, I thought I was going to be a business tycoon. And six months before college, I discovered that engineering wasn't driving trains. Uh, fell in love with it, pursued that path, uh, followed uh, the journey to uh, Intel in Chandler, Arizona, and spent 21 years doing IT stuff at Intel, but my passion was always people and culture and teams, and I kept volunteering for things like uh, task forces around culture, leadership development, organizational health, and then in year, I think it was 19 of my career, I, I actually, instead of just managing IT people doing IT stuff, I got a job doing um, workforce strategy, looking at the whole 6,000 person uh, IT organization worldwide for Intel and looking at that as a system and trying to, you know, really look at the culture, the culture development, maximizing things like, uh, you know, morale and engagement and looking at skills. And, uh, and, and that's when I knew I had found my purpose, that this thing that I was doing on the side for most of my career was really what I was meant to do. Did that for two years and then left, and my another longtime Intel employee and longtime friend, we, we left and we founded the Peak Fleet so that we, we, since we were passionate about leadership development and culture, and, and we had experienced what I would say uh, first-class culture. You know, you've heard of the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, once you've been a part of really amazing culture, I think two things happen. One is you never want it to end. And the other thing is you want everybody to experience sort of like being on an airplane. You've, we've all been in the back of a Southwest airlines flight and nothing against Southwest airlines, but you know, the back of the plane, the middle seat. And then when you've flown first class, you never want to go back. And so, so I think culture is like that. And, you know, going to work, I think everybody has the opportunity to, to experience first class culture. So we, we wanted to go out and have a bigger impact on the world than just within the big blue bubble of Intel. And we founded the company based on four of our values, persistence, 
empathy, authenticity, and kindness. We were talking about authenticity earlier, and it, it does get tossed around a lot. The, the P in peak, persistence, is very common in the business world. Uh, it's the eek, the empathy, the authenticity, the kindness that we think makes us different. And, and I also think it's what the country and maybe even the world is looking for right now, M- more empathy, more authenticity, more kindness. And so the, um, the fact that I am an engineer but I'm now in the business of working with organizations and helping improve their culture and creating what I would say is an irresistible workplace, you know, first-class culture. I, I do believe that I, what I was meant to do all along was to be an engineer of, of culture. It's, it's not at all, at least to me, surprising. I've talked to a number of engineers who find that the fluid dynamics of human behavior are as compelling of a problem-solving arena as, as they are in the world of materials uh, or design, uh, you know, working with either software or stuff to build things. And that there's an innate curiosity and a, um, a willingness to roll up one's sleeves and get into the workings of the thing to try to figure out how can we make this better? How can we optimize it? And it's fascinating because there's equal parts math and magic. In, in dealing with people. You've got to find the right moment when they bring something new forth that wasn't there before. It's not like you can simply walk into the room uh, with a toolkit and make something emerge. They've got to be willing to go along with you and contribute. Uh, and, and that's, in a way, I guess, a kind of a segue to what you do as a volunteer team member with House of Genius because there's another unique setting where um, people come together. And I'd love to have you characterize, I've had the pleasure of being once, uh, but I'd love you to describe for people who haven't heard of House of Genius, what is the event? How does it work? Uh, what is so interesting to you, given your commitment to, to culture and to discovery about this kind of setting? Well, there's, there's absolutely a connection between uh, what I do now and what I, what I believe in, what I stand for, and, and what... Um, House of Genius is all about, and and that's what I think drew me in. Before I forget, I want to I want to thank um, some people that make House of Genius, at least House of Genius Phoenix, possible. Pasanelli Law Firm has been the host for almost six years now, um, the sponsor, and without uh, the support from Pasanelli, House of Genius Phoenix would not exist. I also want to call out. Uh, Caitlin Waters, who works at Reese's Dental during the day, who keeps us organized every single month and uh, and books a speaker and two presenters and a panel, as well as uh, Kimberly Rowland, who is the the manager of Ignite by the BBB, uh, the Better Business Bureau. The uh, So Kimberly, I met Kimberly three years ago. She invited me to my first House of Genius session and uh, said, show up, didn't tell me a lot about it. And, and so... Um, the format that's unique is is that like a lot of these entrepreneurial uh, events in the valley, uh, somebody gets to to pitch their business. the The unique thing is it's House of Genius may be the only place where an entrepreneur gets to present to a panel that may have an engineer, an accountant, uh, an educator, maybe a, a corporate executive, a nonprofit director, um, different um, you know d- different businesses. But the thing that's unique is that you're presenting to a panel that's completely anonymous. Because as soon as you, speaking of authenticity, as soon as you share who you are, what you do, your title, your role, biases start to kick in, both conscious and unconscious. Uh, you know, maybe the feedback isn't quite as authentic. So the, the general format is we bring together once a month about uh, 16 to 20 people. And uh, it's, it's about three hours in, in length. We show up, someone does a 10 to 15 minute keynote just to sort of get the creative juices going. Uh, and then somebody gets five minutes to present their business and explain what it is that they do. But instead of asking for money or competing for a prize, uh, at the end of your five minutes, you have an ask. And the ask may be a problem that you're facing or challenge or an opportunity, but, but what you're, you're asking for is crowdsourced support from the diverse panel. And the, the tricky thing is, you know, what's, what's the number one piece of advice for a speaker is know your audience. This is the one time you don't know who your audience is. So it's a little tricky to, to figure out how best to tell your story. Um, but after a round of clarifying questions, we go, we go throughout the whole room and everybody gets about a minute to 90 seconds to share feedback based on the ask. We take a quick break, and then we repeat it for the second presenter. And then at the end of the night is, is the magical, 
conclusion where we do go around the room and do a reveal. So everybody gets a chance to share who they are, what they do. Uh, and I think in addition to the, 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 sometimes the feedback is just really unexpected and interesting and, and there's some plus ones and yeah, that's yeah, it's a really interesting, authentic, genuine, direct feedback. There's usually some serendipitous connection that happens at the end uh, of somebody that during the reveal that either you really needed to meet um, or maybe even came up in the feedback. There was one pitch where somebody said, you need to go take this product to Sprouts. And there was a guy from the Sprouts corporate office sitting next door. Uh, there was another person presenting on an app that was helping match bands to venues, and there was somebody from the music industry there that night. Uh, and I, so it's it's uh, when I see those connections happen, uh, I just think it's a, it's a really neat experience. And so, so at the end of the night, the other thing that happens is we ask everybody to invite two people to a future house of genius because the only way this thing works is if we keep the panel anonymous. And, uh, and I guess I was um, ranked number one in terms of recruiting for the next year and a half because at the end of 2018, Kimberly called me and said, hey, we have a space on the team and uh, you seem to really already be in the business of, of booking panelists. So would you like to join the team? And I said, uh, heck yes. Uh, so for the last year, I've now been a part of the committee that helps put the event on every month. It's fascinating how when you take out status titles, um, other things that we usually use, rightly and wrongly sometimes, to position ourselves and uh, claim authority for our opinions, mm -hmm. that uh, two things seem to happen in my experience. I've only been to one of these, but it was, it was really interesting. The first thing is that you hear real ideas, not just something that you either need to say or that you're saying because you're trying to impress somebody else. I mean, for the most part, although this is a pretty big small town or, or small big town, depending on how mm -hmm. you look at it, uh, for the most part, you don't know more than one or two people in the room. If you're a connector who's out in the public a lot, you probably do know somebody in there. But there's a bunch of people you don't know. Mm -hmm. And even sitting on the panel, you don't know who else is in the room. So you really are thinking to yourself, you know, how could I give this human being you know, my best advice, if I had to ask one or two questions just to try to understand what they're doing better uh, and then really think about wh what could I do that would serve them in this moment? Because you you know, you anticipate that at the end of the evening, you're going to learn who these other people are. So you're kind of, without knowing that, trying to find something high quality. The second thing that happens is um, there's just a, a, a much more I don't know how to say it, but there's a much more direct connection. You you asked Daphne a question about connection. And it's interesting how in this environment, without any reason for a connection, one exists because you're all in the same room yes. and you're all focused on the same problem. Here's someone who's presented their business. Uh, they're, they're typically very eager. They're very honest. They kind of really want to, you know, what can you say in five minutes that's going to prime the pump for good feedback? And... I don't know. It just works. Well, you've, you've made me realize two things. One, um, it, it is a great networking event, especially for people who don't like networking events, because you're not just going and saying, hey, how are you? What do you do? Right. In you, fact, you can't introduce right. yourself. You can't. So if that part was what bothered you, you're in luck. You can't. Well, in addition, though, you have a shared experience. Like it's a, you know, it's a two and a half, three hour experience. There is there's drinks, there's dinner, uh, but it's uh, you, you will share forever whatever magic happened that night. And so that creates a bond with with the people that you do meet. So it's not just some superficial handshake. But the second thing you just made me realize, when we, we actually tell you when it's your turn to provide feedback, don't qualify it. Don't say I'm the expert or I've been doing this for 20 years. Just give the feedback. And listening to you kind of play back your experience, I think part of what, what, what you get out of House of Genius and what I know I'm getting out of House of Genius is getting better at giving feedback. You don't I mean, why do we qualify our feedback? Why don't we just tell people exactly what we think versus trying to set it up and, and look smart first? Yeah, it's, you know, I'm just remembering back to being an undergraduate in a philosophy class and learning all these logical fallacies, including, you know, the uh, argument from authority or an ad hominem attack, dismissing someone's opinion because of who they are, not because of what they said. And it really does remove a lot of that stuff so that you can just deal with ideas, uh, problems, uh, interesting solutions. Daphne, coming back to you, I'm curious to know why, given that you are capable of so many things 
and you probably already had a busy schedule. Why did something like Advance and Emerge Women appeal to you personally? When the opportunity emerged to be a part of this, what made you say yes? I'm a womanist. <laughs> I believe in women. I um, was following uh, Women Who Start Up. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but yes. um, very proud of it. Like I look around, I worked in the tech industry for a while, so as a product developer, so I understand human behavior and you know where that button should go and how it should look and how it should feel. Um, so when I um, saw Annie, I also do photography and videography. Um, how I went about that was uh, a, a, a friend of mine, somebody I work with, his girlfriend was looking for someone to just collect content. And I um, happened to do that. And I was, as his friend, I was like, yes, I will go and spend an hour of my day on Saturday and go help her. Um, but I've met her before and I loved her to death. So I went over there, helped her. And I was in the zone, just do, 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 do. This is what I have to do. Um, so I started collecting content. And I really enjoyed what I was seeing and hearing, and more importantly, that emotion, what I felt out of it when I left there. I left there just, and I didn't even partake. I was just on the other side of the camera. I was sitting there just watching everyone, and I was like, wow, this is, could be something really good. And... Um, so tough luck on that person who, <laughs> who didn't show up for to, to record um, because I fell in love with it. I came back the, the following sessions. They were like every two weeks and um, she needed help. Um, I have a background in operations, um, entity formation, uh, finance background. And so I was like, let me help you. I really want to help you. That's what I love doing. And she was just like... I will take it. I will take it. So we had coffee and four hours of coffee later, uh, we kind of put everything together and it was like, okay, let's go do this. So got the entity formatted and then went and got our nonprofit. We're a nonprofit too. So that's a lot of work. If anyone, it, it is a lot of work, but it's not hard work. It's, it's about sitting down and just crafting everything together, um, put our bylaws together. And then it was like, well, let's formally introduce ourselves. Let's do this launch party. So um, we'll be having a launch party here February 8th. But that's what intrigued me back to the question was the feeling I got when I left there. And I wanted everyone to feel that. And that's what you want when when people leave. I, I want, yeah. House of Genius. House of Genius, but also that's the business I'm in. I want, yeah. I, I think everybody in the world should find something that gives them that feeling mm-hmm. and then pursue it with, with persistence and relentlessness. Yeah, that passion just comes out and explodes. And I loved it. I love seeing every, uh, you, it, there was just all walks there of women, different backgrounds, um, But they all left there feeling the same way, having that passion relit inside them. And I think that's what really uh, drove me to A&E, doing that side hustle, long days, (laughs) late nights and early mornings and wanting to do that. So um, our website, I built the website. All of the photos, all of the video, it's all my content. So very, very proud of it. So It sounds like a personal labor of love as well as Mm -hmm. a a deeper commitment uh, to, you know, you're a womanist. I try to put the men in feminism. Uh, you know, <laughs> you can't see my bright pink shirt today, but yes. represent. Um, I'm struck, Daphne, as you are speaking by, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a testament to the very sexist nature of our history that we refer to someone with your skill set as a Renaissance man. It's interesting to me that there's no word for what you described that's actually a fit for you, but your ability to deal with operations, finance, entity formation, and all the creative stuff, there's a breadth of skill that you're bringing to this. Yes, there is. I like to say I'm not the jack of trades, but the jackie. Or you could say Daphne, but... (laughs) Uh, And you also play a role with PHX Startup Week. You're on the social media team there. When did you get involved with that? What compelled you there? And what kind of work are you doing? Well, I've been following them for um, the last couple of years. Last year was my first year going and I really had a good time. Just it was very casual and just showing up and going because it's a six day long event. Um, This year, it's February 17th through the 22nd. Um, They're getting ready to start um, announcing the speakers as well. So we'll be 
showing up the speakers. But um, I wanted just to be a part of it. Vincent Orlick is one of the, uh, he's our social media marketing person. And he was looking for a team. And I was like, I will play a role, but I'm just going to sm- play a small role. I'm just going to dip my toe in. And I love doing um, Instagram stories. That's my favorite thing. I love, it's passion, like just like video, but capturing it in 15 seconds, which you can do in those 15 seconds to make someone not just look, but also feel. Um, so that was why I was like, okay, sign me up. I'll, I'll, I'll give you guys a hand and well, let's let's do this. I'm excited. It's amazing how much uh, the tools for our own creative self-expression have evolved. And, you know, I mean, I was privileged in more ways than one, but specifically to grow up in a very technologically advanced family because my dad ran a radio station because that meant we had a lot of gear and we got computers very early. And, uh, you know, in 1981, we had one of the first IBM PCs and things like that. So, you know, I was able to participate in this. But if you think back to, you know, early days of crayons and paper and all the things that we use, and now the fact that we can have a HD multi media broadcast studio in our pockets and we can do incredible video and we can do art and we can layer things in there. I want to see some of your Instagram stories. It's such an interesting, my wife also loves stories and loves to create and kind of tell, narrate her life and the homeschooling of our kids and her own business and kind of do all those things. Um, it, it, it's such an outlet for you. What do you, what do you get out of contributing that to something like Startup Week. Have you attended Startup Week in the past? I have. I have. just yeah. Last year, just briefly, right. because it is right. long and it's during the week. So um, I went briefly um, on a Saturday and I was just like, man, I wish I would have done this sooner. Like, I... I some people are afraid and I was one of those people. I'll be, I'm going to be authentic here. I'm, I'm very shy person. I'm an introvert. I, and it's kind of funny. I love being behind the camera at the end of the day. That's where I like, um, my, um, partner, Aaliyah is more on the front end. She loves to do the front. She will talk all day and she will be out there, but I'm more on the back end and, Going and networking and doing this stuff, I told myself uh, probably a year and a half ago, two years, I'm like, I'm going to go do, I'm going to do this. I'm going to put myself out there. I need to go do this. I need something more out of my life than just this. And so, um, and one of it was going to Phoenix Startup Week, but every day it was like, uh, do I go today? Do I go today? Um, and then Women Who Start Up as well was another one I would go and attend. And I met a lot of people through there and i um, grateful. Um, also, Yes, Phoenix. Yeah. Or Yes, PHX. Yep, yes, PHX. And um, so I uh, started doing that, putting myself out there, and just really enjoyed and finding out that a lot of these people are just like me in the same situation. And so I, um, so if you're out there, don't be afraid. Go to Phoenix Startup Week. Go out there and just talk to someone. Sit down and say hi. And um, you're going to enjoy yourself. You're going to learn something. There's going to be mentorships there as well. So um, I really encourage if you're afraid, shy, or whatever, go out there and do it. We're we're there. I'll be there. One of the things we're trying to uncover and and really bring out into the light and put on the proverbial table uh, in this mini series, Connect PHX, uh, brought to you by PHX Startup Week, is some conversations about resources, opportunities, things that are available here in the valley that may not be top of mind for some folks, or they may not have heard of them. They may not have had an opportunity to be exposed to them. House of Genius is certainly one of those things. Advance and Emerge Women is another one of those things. I'd be interested to know from each of you, from where you sit and how you've built your own things, what are some of the things out there that folks should know more about? People, uh, educational opportunities, uh, resources for support of various kinds, Uh, Do you have anything that you think, you know what, if I could get more people aware of this, it would really help them? Well, that's a good question. There's, I mean, there's so many resources. Uh, The, the, the thing that I would, my answer would be if it existed is a uh, all knowing, all knowing, yeah, Borg, all knowing um, guide to help you sort out what's available, what's applicable to you, what's not applicable to you, and, and just navigate the wealth of, of resources. I, I wish there was a board of some type. A board? Like a I board. No, no, like a board. Like oh, a board. I thought like, you said Borg, too. Yeah. No, no, no. Like a board. Like a bulletin board of all the events that are happening here in Phoenix, regardless of whatever, you know, whether it's for women or whatever. I, I think that would be great. Um, I personally... Um, 
roamed around a lot on Instagram, I think. Um, and just going from one place and just going down a little rabbit hole and finding different things. Um, that was how I found House of Genius as well. So um, I think that's huge is just wanting it for yourself and going out and just do, looking for it. We've talked a couple times about connections. I, I think pick pick something and go create genuine connections with your, you know, find your tribe, find your community, and and then kind of parlay that from from there instead of trying to figure it all out. All at once. All at once. There is one thing around uh, entrepreneurism. There's there's uh, an amazing opportunity at ASU through their Venture Devil program that uh, there, I think they're now up to 500 ventures uh, that um, if you can, you can, you don't have to be a student, but I think most of them are student ventures. You can be from the community or even faculty. And if you get into the program, you're assigned a mentor. You have the opportunity twice a year to pitch for seed money. Uh, there are some resources. So there's, so that's a very, uh, it's a great opportunity that doesn't really cost anything. Um, there are very high end, um, you know, accelerators and incubators as, as well. But the, the thing that I think a lot of people don't know about is what ASU does offer. Yeah, and Grand Canyon University is launching a, a brand new program um, of its own uh, coming, I think, either this next month or very soon, if not this next month. I was just following a thread going down the rabbit hole uh, on fun. LinkedIn about that one. Um, as you've built your own independent business, Brian, what are some of the challenges you've faced? I mean, moving from the, the world of W-2 work to the world of consulting and training and, and the ways in which you contribute is a whole different game. How's that gone? What's worked well? What have been some of the stumbling blocks? What's helped you along the way? I think the number one piece of advice is um, just because you can doesn't mean you should. You know, the, the, one of the greatest things about being an entrepreneur is you, have, you don't have a lot of rules. You can do whatever you want. Uh, rem but remembering to stay focused. So starting with uh, you know, when we when we work with a client and we help them define their culture, we start with purpose, vision, and values. So I think that same thing applies for you. Of why, why are you doing this? What are you trying to accomplish? Where you're going? Uh, and then setting up some whether it's values or something to kind of guide your your decisions is re resist the temptation sometimes to to do things that might be straying from you know where where you should be focusing where you're, from your from your sweet spot. Um, but I think back to what has worked. What I I think a lot of my success at Intel started with building meaningful, connecting relationships and then leveraging those relationships to get things done. I'm, I have never been one of those hierarchical, do what I say or follow, you know, follow the orders of the commander. And so leaving Intel and, and starting my own business, you know, going out, leveraging the relationships we already had uh, and trying to convert those into to client relationships or building new ones, but then remembering once you've established a a client uh, as a as a client build a relationship that's meaningful and lasting, and so we have a lot of, of recurring a lot of clients that re, you know, do recurring business with us. Are you working primarily with large organizations? Are you staying in that zone, or if you what kind of clients are you serving? The it's not so much about size or industry; it is more about. Uh, someone who's either on a good to great journey. So that, that would really be our ideal client is someone who already has good culture that wants to be great, wants to get on a best places to work list or move up to the top or stay at the top. Uh, we have worked with a number of different industries, different sizes. I guess the, the number one thing, as long as you work with others, <laughs> uh, if you work with a team, uh, then you know, everything we do is about helping teams work better together. It may be uh, a small team. It may be a team of teams, you know, a larger organization. Uh, what I will say, one of my favorite areas to work with, uh, we do about a third of our business with schools and nonprofits. So getting to go and go back into the public schools and work with the principal and create a better culture for the teachers. So doing that at a, at a school level or even at a district level, working with the superintendent and, and his, his or her uh, principals has been very, very rewarding. Culture is one of those words, like authenticity, people find very easy to say, but sometimes if you press, uh, they're a little less clear on what they're actually talking about and what to do with it. Um, how in your work do you define culture? What does it mean? And then how do you go to work on culture? What, what is someone getting when they get you to come in and work with their people? Well, the one thing about culture is that it, it exists no matter what. It exists whether you are intentional about it and you define it. It also exists organically and accidentally. My advice is to always choose intention. Uh, 
because you don't necessarily know what you're going to get with with the accidental type of, of culture. There may be things that unintended consequences of, of getting a group together. What you get with me is it starts with an understanding of what it is you're trying to accomplish. The I, Probably from the 20 years working at Intel, we're very, we are, well, while I guess what we do now can be perceived as touchy-feely, we're all about results. We're all about change. So you are still, at the end of the day, a business or an organization that's trying to create some kind of an outcome. Uh, what is that outcome and how can I help you accelerate it? So, it, so one of the easiest through lines, if you will, is around hiring and retention. Uh, if if you hire the wrong person or if you have turnover, that's going to cost you about a third of their salary. So if I can improve your retention rate um, by you know a very small amount, then you're, it's going to pay for my services times ten. And so it's a matter of uh, one of the, one of the best ways you can improve your hiring success is to not just hire for skills, which is what most people do. But first, uh, look at cultural fit. So skills plus cultural fit. And if you're the, the the amazing thing about doing that is if you're really clear about the culture of of what we're why we're here, how we behave, what's important to us, people who don't fit in will opt out of the process immediately, which is the best thing for everybody involved. And so making it really clear of, of those things again, why we exist, how we behave, what we stand for. Uh, what are our beliefs, and then and then I can help make sure that whatever we're doing is going to help uh, improve the business metric, whether it is retention or whether it's uh, higher levels of of innovation or some agility of uh, you know, going through some kind of a major change or transformation in the industry. But there's always some kind of a business result that we're trying to help you achieve. I'm curious for both of you uh, is is this the only place you've lived? Did you come here from somewhere else? What when it comes to kind of perspective, uh, geographically, culturally, personally, what is informing your current work? What's your backstory? Where what, where are you from? What's the what's the deal? Um, for me, I'm a native of Arizona. Literally, I'm a Navajo from the Navajo Reservation. I grew up on the Navajo Reservation. Um, and I'll be honest, there's tech savvy technology, not very high out there. Um, my mom, luckily, she has <laughs> Wi-Fi, so I'm excited about that. I do try to unplug when I go up there, um, but really excited about that. Um, but for me, that's what drives me. Uh, we were, I think I was like, I'm, I'm going to tell my age now. <laughs> I'm going to show it, actually. Um, I was probably in fifth grade when we got, uh, at our school, we received Ataris, like the Atari 100s or whatever, the first computers. And uh, I learned how to code then. So um, was great. I was in fifth grade. And then as I got into high school, we got the little Square Macs. Can't remember the exact names. Toaster Mac. The Toaster Mac. Yes, I loved it. You could design there, which was great for me. I was like, whoa. Um, but that drives me, really drives me a lot, is the technology side. And then um, I look at my dad, um, he was a team roper. Uh, he was also a welder. Looking back, um, as I got older, I was like, wow, he was an entrepreneur. Because his side hustle was team roping, and he literally made a life doing that. Yeah, competitive and yes. prize money and yes. the whole deal. He's yeah. very well known, and but he was a welder by day. That was his his day job. It, you know, provided us health insurance and whatever. But that was his side hustle. This is where I get my passion from and my drive is seeing him work so hard for that. And God bless him. He passed away. Um, 2019 of November or so. But I look back and I'm like, man, that's what he did. And I just want to, I helped, you know, along the way with him just kind of figuring that out. But I want to help people to do that as well. They have a little, they're baking and they're great bakers, but they want to make a life around what they love doing. That's what I enjoy doing. Yeah. Team roping is a fascinating metaphor. It's not often discussed, but for a small, nimble organization, uh, because there's roles to play, but it's it's a very Skill. dynamic and highly skilled and fast moving environment. And my brothers still do it. Both yeah. my brothers still do it. My um, the brother I have three younger brothers, and and uh, he the one that's right behind me, his name is Tyler. He went uh, he went to the national finals this year. So um, only one one run through the arena, but he was so excited. So he's looking forward to many more. Now, did you go to high school here in Phoenix? Uh, I went to Winslow High School. Uh huh. Great. And I played basketball. And I played basketball for two years at Phoenix College. And wow. as you began, so Phoenix College probably played an important role in your 
development. And I'm such a supporter of community college systems and Phoenix College in particular is doing some great work for a long time serving folks here. Um, I've given a couple guest lectures there and, you know, it's always fun for me. I come from a higher education background as well. And, you know, whether it, you know, I used to teach at Berkeley or whether I'm at a small community college, I mean, just the, the hunger for knowledge is the same no matter yes. where you are. And in fact, the community college kids are actually being smarter with their life choices because they're not going into debt to get the same exactly. algebra, algebra one or whatever they call it in college. It's this, I'm not a math person. It's the same no matter where you are. There's cheaper ways to learn it. Um, as you decided to pursue this technical skill, as you said, hey, you know, I want to do stuff with this. Uh, did you experience barriers? Did you experience opportunities? What's kind of, oh, yes. what's your assessment of what's working well and what we need to do better at around here? Um, well, I think, again, entrepreneur in me and also the athlete in me, you learn to pivot and just go. Um, you learn from your mistakes. Um, I, You know, I really... I'm just a GSD at heart. You know, it's like there are barriers that come up, but if you really want it, you just, you've got to either hurdle it, crawl under it, go around it. You, you know, if you really want it, you will figure it out and get it done. Get stuff done. Yes. 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 Brian, what about you? You mentioned in your bio an entrepreneurial parent. How did that play out for you? What was your background like and how did you find your way? through those early years? Well, I grew up in Washington State. I was born in the Seattle area the same year as Starbucks, for, for what that's worth. Uh, so I'm the same age as Starbucks. The um, I grew up, though, down near Portland, Oregon, right across the Columbia River in Washington still, a little, little town of, uh, at the time, three or 4,000 people. The uh, So yeah, my father was an entrepreneur. Uh, so we were always, there was always some kind of... Um, home-based business that we, that the kids were, you know, helping out with. And so that's, you know, kind of actually, it, um, he, one of his early businesses was he was a manufacturing rep for multiple sporting good uh, lines. And we would go to the sporting goods show every year. And at a very early age, he taught me about capitalism, but we would buy what are now cool, the trucker hats. Um, we would buy a hundred of them for, I think, two ninety five, and then we would sell them for three ninety five, and then that profit uh, went into my college fund, and so that was a year after year. So learning at age six or seven how to, uh, to you know, buy, uh, create a profit margin, and then take the profits and reinvest it, that that was that became you know in, entrenched in me. I think I had a couple of, uh, I got in trouble a couple times when I tried to bring that same model into school by buying gumballs and selling them at a markup or or something like that because I, I didn't really understand that you weren't supposed to do that at school. Um, awesome. But, but um, when I was graduating, so I went back to Seattle for my, for my college experience, University of Washington, and uh, when I was graduating, there was only one company I wanted to work for. It was Intel, and I thought it was going to be in the Portland area where Intel has its lar largest U.S. presence, but... Uh, I ended up here in Arizona in the summer of 95. I've now been here, I think, six or seven months longer now than the 24 years I spent in Washington State. Um, so that's the, sort of the journey I went on. But it was, again, I was, I was heading to UW. I was going to be pre, I was pre-business and it was a calculus class my last six months of, uh, so I was really into math. Uh, my last six months of high school and there was a, there was a set of story problems that, where you were solving real-world problems using math, and that was how my brain worked. And the teacher just happened to say, if you like this, this is what engineers do. And again, I, I honestly thought engineers drove trains. I didn't know any engineers at that point in my life. And then he wrote on the board a number, $65,000. He says, the average engineer makes this much money. And I went, whoa, that's that's me. Um, so that that one moment changed the trajectory of my entire life. Um, and so, you know, it went down the path of engineering. It took about three years to find the engineering discipline. Uh, in fact, I had almost given up on engineering altogether because the chemical engineering was not my thing, electrical, computer science. And uh, there was this one day someone handed me a pamphlet that said industrial engineering, people engineering, or the people-oriented engineering profession. That sounded like me. Well, those story problems in high school three years before that hooked me, that was industrial engineering. And so I used, I used the idea of maximizing and minimizing and optimizing, really looking at everything as a system. And that's what I do now is, is a system of people and trying to optimize it for something. That, that, uh, that definitely had a big part on, uh, on my career at Intel, but it was what really the passion was taking that same sort of, what did you say earlier about logic and math and, and science, but also kind of the magic and the art and finding the, the blend and having the outcome 
be people and culture and and uh, you know amazing amazing experiences. That uh, it, it's been interesting leaving the corporate world and taking the best of the corporate world, but also you know reigniting my entrepreneurial roots of of being able to you know create our own thing and make our own thing. And um, in terms of what we're doing right, I I think the unique thing about starting a business in Phoenix is that unlike yourself, most of us aren't from here. So te- people tend to be very open and welcoming and inclusive of, of because at some point we were the one trying to break in. And so the culture here in Phoenix, I think, is much more open and inclusive. The, uh, so maybe really the only thing left to do is to you know, continue, continue that but make it easier to, to navigate as a, as a newcomer. Yeah. And Startup Week certainly has that commitment. And the PHX Startup Week core organizing team are really committed that this be literally what you said, Brian, the most welcoming event for entrepreneurs of all types. So there's a few things we should clarify as we have done on every one of these shows in this little mini series. Uh, First of all, don't let the word startup trick you into thinking this is only for technology companies. Uh, The idea of a startup is that you're building something, whether you're doing that in your role inside of a larger organization, whether you're doing it as something on the side for yourself, whether you're doing that because you are a uh, kind of a sole prop consultant or service provider of some kind, or you have your own small firm, this is for you. So this is not the idea that, you know, it's only tech bros and hoodies and things of that nature. No. Please save us from that, right? <laughs> um, the second thing is that it is a week, which means the best way to get the most out of it is to somehow, although we have date, jobs, some of us, and uh, and childcare and all the other kinds of commitments that we may have, to find a way to, to get as much out of it as possible, try to participate in as much of it as possible. Startup Week is taking place at three different locations. Uh, it's two days at Galvanize, two days at the Better Business Bureau, and two days at Fabric in Tempe. All the details about what's happening, where and when are on the website, phxstartupweek.com. And there's something for everybody if you show up very much like you've both spoken about with the events you're involved in, House of Genius and A&E Women, if you show up being there to learn and to give, you're probably going to be well set up to get to get some real value out of it and perhaps to provide that value to somebody else. You never know who you're going to end up sitting next to. Uh, you never know who you're going to end up sharing a, a meal or a conversation with. You never know who's going to introduce you to the one person you didn't know you needed to know that's going to help you on your journey, whatever that is. Uh, is there anything that you would like to add about the experience or the opportunity uh, that would really help folks understand why? I mean, it's not about the money. There is a ticket charge to it, but this is not something that's running, uh, you know, at a, at, unlike those hats you were selling, this is not running at a substantial profit margin. Um, <laughs> events are very expensive to organize and the volunteers, uh, and there are many of them, and there's opportunity for more volunteers I see here on my, on my yes. little talking points sheet. Uh, so what would you add about Startup Week and about what, you know, ways to get the most and give the most out of this kind of event? Keep an open mind, an open heart, and, um, oh, free lunch. <laughs> included in your <laughs> ticket. including in your in- ticket included a Included in your ticket, right. So, yeah, definitely sit down, have a lunch, and, see, and keep an open mind. Sit there and have a conversation. Don't be afraid. Just say hi to that person next to you. I was going to say, if you're concerned about the cost at all, um, if you go two days that, you know, and you get two lunches out of it, then you've, you know, you've broken even the, the, if you really, the advice you're asking is it probably isn't for the seasoned veterans It's for the people that maybe who have never gone. Right. Uh, I would say if nothing else, pick one day, at least pick one day and then go all in. Uh, if it, cause if it seems overwhelming, three sites, six days, Look, look at the agenda, find something that speaks to you, but then try to experience the whole day. Uh, and I think if you do that early enough in the week, you might want to go back for another day. Which makes the week-long all-venue pass the best option yes. for everyone. Because all six days, all locations, all the lunches, all in one price tag. Well, it's a fascinating event I'm looking forward to attending this year. I know that the speakers uh, who 
you know, we're carefully selected. There's always many more people that want to speak at these things than are actually uh, selected by the team. The speakers are being announced. There's always going to be something that will provoke your thinking uh, that will get you to realize a new opportunity or a, maybe a blind spot, something that was holding you back. Um, there's people coming to these events are not coming to posture. They're not coming to, to brag. They're coming because this is a community that has contributed to them and they want to contribute back to the community. And I can't think of a better reason to show up and attend uh, because that's the, the animating spirit of the thing. You just reminded me that one of the most popular sessions, and I think they do it daily, is the, the Founder F Up panel. So it's like you said, they're, they're not there to brag. In fact, they're there to share their F up, their mistake, so that you can learn from, from what they experienced. Yeah, absolutely. And, and certainly in the past, I don't know of the current format. Uh, we'll, we'll hear when, when Katie Rogers comes on the show at the final session. But certainly in the past, it was not. And then how I saved the day and turned it around and won and yeah. made the cover of Forbes. It's you share the F up and then you sit down and you just let it sit. And there's real courage in doing that, but also there's real learning available when you hear that, you know what? Other folks have made mistakes too. It's our common humanity anyway that, you know, Daphne, you were speaking to earlier when you said you're just in a room with people and you feel so connected. It's because you're, you're finding yourself in them and them in you. Yes. Ah. Giving back. I love, I could talk about this all day, <laughs> as you can tell. Uh, PHX Startup Week is happening February 17 to 22nd. All the location details, the tickets, the information to volunteer. There are still many more people, many more slots available. That's another great way to get involved. If you don't want to just be a passive attendee and you want to contribute and help make this thing happen, you're welcome to do that. The contact information for all the different teams uh, is available at phxstartupweek.com. Brian Stinson with House of Genius and with the Peak Fleet. You are a fascinating individual. I look forward to learning more about your work. Thank you for joining us for this conversation. Thank you. And I want you to come back to House of Genius soon. I want to come back. It was truly a, a, a surprisingly wonderful evening. Daphne Dixon, you are the Vice President and Director of Advance and Emerge Women. I love your story. I love your passion. Thank you. I love the multidisciplinarity <laughs> of your expertise. <laughs> I want you in my corner. I've really appreciated the opportunity to get to know Anytime. you. Anytime. I'll help you with your Instagram and your Instagram stories. Uh, absolutely. Well, I was very intrigued by the fact that you are a GSD person. That's my Achilles heel. So it's good to know that you are out there uh, organizing this event and helping people make a difference. Where do folks learn more about the launch 2020 event that you spoke to with A&E Women? Um, our website that I built, um, advanceandemergewomen.com. Um, you can go to our Instagram account also and just hit the button that says get tickets and it'll take you straight there. You don't even leave the app and you can buy your tickets there. Same thing with um, PHX Startup Week. Um, I created the button there as well. So you can just hit the button there, not even leave the site and purchase your tickets. Building buttons and changing lives, <laughs> one line of code at a time. You're a marvelous human and I'm grateful to know you. For all of us here at phx.fm, this is Dr. Adrian McIntyre. We'll see you next time on Valley Business Radio. Mm -hmm.